Section 15 of Heroines Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Heroines Every Child Should Know. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe and Kate Stevens. Chapter 11 Grace Darling. Grace Darling was born on the 24th of November, 1815, at a small town upon the northeastern coast of England. She was the seventh child of her parents. Her grandfather, Robert Darling, had been keeper of the coal light on the outmost of the Farne Islands, and her father, William, succeeded him in that post. In 1826, however, when Grace was eleven years old, William Darling took his family to Longstone, another island of the same group. These Farne Islands are about twenty-five in number at low tide, and, as a visitor has pointed out, are desolate to an uncommon degree although they are at no great distance from the Northumberland coast. The sea rushes with great force through the channels between the islands. Longstone, upon which Grace dwelt was, says another visitor, of dark windstone, cracked in every direction, and worn with the action of winds, waves, and tempests, since the world began. Over the greater part of it was not a blade of grass nor a grain of earth, it was hard and iron-like stone, crusted round all the coast, as far as high-water mark, with limpet and still smaller shells. We ascended wrinkled hills of black stone, and descended into worn and dismal dells of the same, into some of which, where the tide got entrance, it came pouring and roaring in raging whiteness, and churning the loose fragments of windstone into round pebbles and piling them up in deep crevices with seaweed. Over our heads screamed hundreds of hovering birds, the gull mingling its hideous laughter most wildly. Fancy a lone lighthouse standing upon this pile of stone, dropped seemingly in the midst of the water, five miles from the mainland. The sea tosses and swells and beats the rocks unceasingly. In fine weather it is blue and more kindly, in storms the waters are black and furious and fearful it was known as a most desolate and dangerous lighthouse and its service could only be a man and family of courage endurance large human feeling and strong sense of duty in such an abode grew the little girl almost alone so far as school friends go her father taught her to read and write together with the seven of her brothers and sisters in their schoolroom was the lantern of the lighthouse. Her instructors were in other ways the sky and the breaking surf, her comrades the sea-birds and the simple shellfish and floating grasses of the salt water, and all the strange and curious growths the sea brings wherever it is free. Like her brothers and sisters, Grace was schooled after the simpler fashion, but when such days were past, she kept to her home rather than go out into the world or marry. The lighthouse sheltered a united and happy family. Grace loved the seclusion of that life, and assisted her mother with the work of the household. 
others of the daughters had gone to homes of their own upon the mainland if our surroundings helped to form our characters here in this lighthouse grace must have grown into a strong self-control and a spirit of helpfulness toward hapless people and those wrecks upon the foreign islands of which many a legend has been told about thirty years before she was born a fine merchantman from america had struck the ledges near the lighthouse and it is said that to the recital of the shipwreck of how the brave sailors fought for life and how one by one they fell or were swept into the fierce waters the little girl would listen weeping and then go pitifully to her bed this tale and the story of other sea mishaps had a special attraction for the child and the strength of her interest and compassion for the shipwrecked were noticed by her family as they sat round the family table of an evening knitting talking of the sea and watching the bright beacon above so it was that grace darling grew to womanhood she was twenty-two years old when the disaster came that made evident what sort of a girl had come to woman's years upon the solitary island in the fall of the year eighteen thirty eight one fifth of september a steamer called the forfarshire a vessel of small size but laden with a considerable cargo sailed for dundee scotland from the port of hull england there were forty-one passengers and twenty-two of the crew sixty-three in all the ship was but two years old but her boilers were in bad order although they had had some overhauling before she cleared her port she sailed in the early evening and for a part of her way seemed to be steaming safely but as the vessel neared flamborough head the captain and crew became disturbed by many anxieties word passed from mouth to mouth among the passengers that the leak of the boiler was growing rapidly and the firemen could with difficulty keep up the fires so much did this delay the passage of the steamer that toward the evening of the following day she had only made the channel between the coast and the foreign islands the wind was blowing from the north it is reported that the engines became utterly useless there being great danger of drifting ashore the sails were hoisted fore and aft and the vessel got about in order to get her before the wind and keep her off the land it rained heavily during the entire time and the fog was so dense that it became impossible to tell the situation of the vessel at length breakers were discovered close to leeward and the foreign light which about the same period became visible left no doubt as to the peril of all on board passengers crowded the deck and as rain beat upon them and the fog shut out all but the sad scene on board friends and strangers pressed hands for support and sought hopeful words from one another's lips the sails hoisted for a defence became useless for the purpose the wind was rising to tempest strength and all control over the vessel seemed gone the sea was master and was tossing the helpless steamer in its waves and as the summer wind drives thistle down in its course was driving her toward the light the billows beat upon the frail timbers and every lurch and swell took the vessel nearer the island where the wild waters were breaking in foam at length appeared in an opening of the fog a great rock frightfully rugged deadly to a ship weakened and in the power of the sea passengers and crew alike knew the spot and they knew that unless some miracle prevailed the ship must go to pieces there was a moment's delay the sea seemed putting off its final victory 
and then it brought the vessel with her bow foremost upon the rocks a panic followed all who had been below rushed to the deck and sought in the companionship of wretchedness an escape from threatening destruction some of the crew determined to save themselves lowered the larboard quarter-boat and left the ship the boiling sea now swept over the decks very soon after the first shock a powerful wave struck the vessel on the quarter and raising her off the rocks allowed her immediately after to fall violently upon it the sharp edge striking her amidships she was by this fairly broken in two pieces and the after part containing the cabin with many passengers was instantly carried off through a tremendous current called the piper gut the captain and his wife were among those who perished the forepart still remained crushed upon the rocks upon its deck were eight unfortunate creatures five sailors and three of the passengers in the cabin below lay a woman huddling two children in her arms a girl of eleven and a boy of eight the waves washed through the cabin tearing off the clothing of the children and half freezing them with cold the hideous noise of the tempest drowned their melancholy cries and at last they lay quiet and dead at the longstone lighthouse the morning of the seventh of september broke mistily the dwellers there were but three the keeper and his wife and daughter they were used to raging seas and driving winds but this night had been one of anxiety grace it is said had been unable to sleep and as she dozed toward morning had started up with a wail for help echoing in her ears she roused her father and taking his field-glass sought the wreck which she felt must be near the remains of the shattered vessel lying about a mile off met her eye and dim figures clinging to their broken timbers as the waters lashed the wreck it seemed as if each wave must sweep the forms into the sea the hearts of all three of the lighthouse family sank what could three do and the billows running mountains william darling shrank from attempting any rescue he had been on other humane enterprises but this seemed futile at grace's earnest plea the boat was launched her father yielding to her entreaties which his heart said were right grace sprang in she knew how to handle an oar and her father followed she had never assisted in the boat before this wreck of the forfeiture but other members of the family had been present her mother mrs darling had assisted in making the boat ready but as her husband and daughter pushed off and the waves washed the rock on which she stood she cried with tears in her eyes oh grace if your father is lost i'll blame you for this morning's work says one who told the story in estimating the dangers which heroic adventurers encounter one circumstance ought not to be forgotten had it been at ebb tide the boat could not have passed between the islands and darling and his daughter knew that the tide would be flowing on their return when their united strength would have been utterly insufficient to pull the boat back to the lighthouse island had they not got aid of the survivors in rowing back again they themselves would have been compelled to remain on the rock beside the wreck until the tide ebbed again the frail boat passed over the stormy waters and neared the rock it could only have been the exertion of muscular power as well as determined courage that the father and daughter carried the boat to the rock and when there a danger greater even than that which they had encountered in approaching it arose from the difficulty of steadying the boat and preventing its being destroyed on those sharp ridges by the ever restless chafing and heaving of the billows 
the father and daughter could see the eager faces turned toward them and the sight redoubled their efforts in reaching the rock and in the task of disembarking and drawing the boat up the rock and out of reach of the waves it was a perilous landing-place but when the craft was secured the father and grace approached the half-dead group all were safe except the two children their mother was seemingly dead also and lay clasping the bodies in her arms but care and attention revived her a fireman who had lain for three hours on the rock where he had been tossed had clung to a strong nail spiked in the rock and though lashed and beaten by the waves and tortured by bleeding hands he had not let go the rescuers placed the survivors one by one in the boat but the return journey was even more perilous than that which took them to the wreck although the sailors aided at the oars longstone however was at last reached and the sufferers housed in the lighthouse they were in safety but the violence of the sea forbade any attempt to reach the mainland there were good accommodations at the light the tower was ingeniously built and besides a well-furnished sitting-room in which was a capital collection of books had three or four comfortable bedrooms in addition there was an abundance of wholesome homely fare the poor woman who had lost her children was suffering intensely and to her grace gave up her bed sleeping upon a table a boat's crew from northumberland which after some hours came in search of the forfeiture also had to claim the hospitality of the lighthouse and for three days were held by the raging seas finally the passage to the mainland was undertaken in safety and the news reached the keeper's family that the boat first launched had been picked up and his nine passengers rescued of the sixty-three who had sailed from hull five days before nineteen were alive within a few days search was made for the missing bodies but almost in vain the cargo of the steamer which was of unusual value was wholly lost the wreck consisting of the engine paddle wheels anchor foremast and rigging remained upon the rock and was visited by thousands report of grace darling's heroic deed was soon spread throughout england it was a simple humane action and such actions are doing among us all the time but the courage in facing the elemental rage of the sea and the helpful sympathy with the unfortunate which made it evident appealed to the popular heart and grace became a people's heroine public subscriptions were at once set on foot to express by a splendid gift the universal sense of her deserts many smaller tokens also came to her among them was a silver medal which read presented by the glasgow humane society to miss grace horsley darling in admiration of her dauntless and heroic conduct in saving along with her father the lives of nine persons from the wreck of the forfarshire steamer seventh september eighteen thirty eight so great was popular report and admiration for the heroine that the manager of a theatre broached to her the plan of representing the rescue in part at least upon his stage and offered her a considerable sum for sitting in the boat for the audience to view her portrait was taken and sold everywhere she was generally flattered and caressed it was now that we find the true balance and strength in grace's character the testimonials she received with quiet pleasure which she preferred to remain upon the solitary island under the light and aid her mother in her simple household work she was glad to have saved lives at the risk of her own she said and would most willingly do it again if opportunity should occur but she could not feel that she had done anything great and certainly 
she did not wish for the praise that had been bestowed upon her as for going to the theatre to receive the plaudits of a curious crowd that was the last thing she desired of grace at this time the pleasing english writer william howitt gives this account he paid a visit to longstone and met the heroine when i went she was not visible and i was afraid i should not see her as her father said she very much disliked meeting strangers that she thought came to stare at her but when the old man and i had a little conversation he went up to her room and soon came down with a smile saying that she would be with us soon so when we had been up to the top lighthouse and had seen its machinery and taken a good look out at the distant shore and darling had pointed out the spot of the wreck and the way they took the people off we went down and found grace sitting at her sewing very neatly but very simply dressed in a plain sort of striped print gown with her watch seal just seen at her side and her hair neatly braided just in fact as such girls are dressed only not quite so smart as they often are she rose very modestly and with a pleasant smile said how do you do sir her figure is by no means striking quite the contrary but her face is full of sense modesty and genuine goodness and that is just the character she bears her prudence delights one we are charmed that she should so well have supported the brilliancy of her humane deeds it is confirmative of the notion that such actions must spring from genuine heart and mind she had the sweetest smile continued mr howitt that he had ever seen in a person of her station and appearance you see that she is a thoroughly good creature and that under her modest exterior lies a spirit capable of the most exalted devotion a devotion so entire that daring is not so much a quality of her nature as that the most perfect sympathy with suffering or endangered humanity swallows up and annihilates everything like fear or self-consideration puts out in fact every sentiment but itself as we read above grace was slight of frame and not markedly robust barely three years after the wreck in which her pity and heroism had won her world-wide fame she showed evidences of decline toward the close of eighteen forty one she was taken from longstone and placed under the care of a doctor in bamborough not gaining in strength she begged to be moved to wooler a small market town on the border of northumberland where the scenery is of the Cheviot hills of sunny heights and wooded glens but even here the clear bracing air had little help for her illness and after meeting her father and considering her failing strength with his advice she returned to bamborough her eldest sister nursed her with devotion but it was evident her life was fading throughout her illness she never murmured and never complained we are told and shortly before her death she expressed a wish to see as many of her relations as the peculiar nature of their employment would admit and with surprising fortitude and self-command she delivered to each one of them some token of remembrance this done she calmly awaited the approach of death and finally on october twenty eighteen forty two resigned her spirit without a murmur two stones have been raised to her memory one in the bamborough churchyard her figure lying at length and another in the chapel of st cuthbert on one of the farne islands and bearing this memorial to the memory of grace horsley darling a native of bamborough and an inhabitant of these islands who died october twentieth eighteen forty two aged twenty-six years 
but the best memorial of a heroine is the inspiration her example offers to her own generation and those that succeed her the love her deeds engender in other hearts the enlarging and uplifting of our kind through her endeavor and so it is that the heroine of foreign islands has become a lovely memory to us and to those who shall come after us end of section fifteen recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida